Welcome to the Fearless Mom Podcast, where our goal is to give practical tips and tools to help moms actually enjoy parenting. Whether you're watching or listening by yourself or you're with a group, we're just so glad that you've joined us. And remember, we never want to add to your already long to-do list. We just want to help you be intentional with what you're already doing. Hey there, Fearless Moms. I am Julie Richard, and we're so glad that you're joining us today. Love technology, the fact that we can talk to so many moms, some here in Austin, some outside of Austin. And I want to welcome in our special guest this week. Our special guest on today's podcast is my friend, Heather Palacios. Heather, you know what? First of all, I want to say thank you for being here. Second of all, I want... Uh, I'm so grateful. Uh, and second of all, I want you to introduce yourself to our moms. Okay. Well, hi, fearless moms. L- love what you guys are doing. And I love a mom. Love a mom. Um, I am one myself. I'm also a wife. And I'm also a pastor's wife at Church by the Glades. Whoop, whoop. Shout out to David and Lisa. Whoop, whoop. Pastor. Church whoop, by the whoop. Glades. For those of y'all who don't know, um, yes. that would be Lisa Hughes, my BFF, and her husband. Yes. Those, yes, they are my pastors, friends, and bosses, all in one enchilada. And uh, my husband and I are on staff there. We're raising two teenage boys here in South Florida. And I'm on staff part-time because I spend the other half of my time um, advocating for people to not attempt suicide. And, and that's a pretty big passion of yours. Now, um, this is Mental Health Awareness Month. And so I know because that's your passion, Heather, that this is not the first podcast you've jumped on in May. And so I, I seriously, I, I thank you so much. We talk so much about a mom embracing the responsibility for her physical health, her relational health, her spiritual health, and her emotional health. And so we want to um, share, particularly this month, um, we talk about it all the time, about there's no shame in postpartum Mm -hmm. depression. There's no shame in depression, whether you have a child or not. We really want to bring it into the light. The enemy is a master of making you feel like you're the only one. And if he can make you feel like you're the only one, that's when shame sets in and we don't say it out loud. And so we want to create a shame-free, guilt-free, judgment-free zone where moms can speak truth and speak up about how they're really feeling. Whether Mm. it is, I have a new baby and I don't even like this. And here I prayed for this baby. Why am I depressed? There's so many things. And so it's just a cycle. But we know that this is your passion, Heather. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so you do spend half your time um, on staff at Church by the Glades and the other half speaking to groups. And um, I know that you go all over speaking about how to keep people from committing suicide. So tell us, Heather, why that is so important to you. Uh, great question. It's important to me because it's been my biggest temptation. You know, when we talk about temptations, we all are tempted by something. Even Jesus was tempted, you know, so it doesn't elude any of us. But I think, it's, you know, there's a lot of people that have temptations with food or spending or yeah. um uh, addictions, addictions or codependency. There's all kinds of things we can have as temptations. Mine is to kill myself. 
plain and simple. And that has been a battle since I was eight years old. And that's been, you know, collaborated with my family members because it was at eight years old where I got out my little butterfly stationery on 254 South College Drive in Bowling Green, Ohio, and penned a letter and mailed it with no one knowing to my grandparents and um, expressing that I wanted to die. And today that would be considered, you know, a suicide letter. Um, but that kind of began a journey, and I'm 47 now, of fighting a, a real palpable temptation in my head to die um, when, when, when God wants us to live. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in, and I'm going to say again, thank you. Thank you mm -hmm. for having the courage to share your story. Thank you for being brave when I know the enemy must be saying don't say that out loud. We know, I know you personally, so I know the reason you continue to say it is to remove isolation because you know there are others who are feeling that way. And you right. share your story to help others. That is your sole motivation. And we know right. that there, there are people listening who may be feeling it. We know just based on statistics, there, there are people hearing it who know someone who yeah. is feeling that way. And so thank you. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for sharing it with our moms. Um, yeah. And we're going to get a little bit more into how we can help our children, but talk a little bit about your journey and how you got from that at eight to where mm -hmm. you are now helping other people. You still, str you still fight that. I do as recently as 2020. Um, yeah. So, you know, there's kind of some markers where I, you know, there's just, again, evidenced by the journals I've kept since I was eight, where um, the battle ensued pretty intensely where I was plan had a plan or acting on it. Um, that would have been at eight years old, 14 years old, 21 years old. And then again, when I was 29 years old and this time married to a pastor, um, Raul, who I'm still married to. Yes. Uh, and... I think that that kind of became a turning point because he unfortunately found me in the middle of, of a suicide in a public parking lot and was unable to, to stop me. So he had to call 911 and the first responders were unable to stop me. And I kind of always have likened it to the demoniac in Mark, the book of Mark, because I had just was able to amass supernatural strength in my determination to want to die that day. Um, but they were unsuccessful to subdue me. So they had to tranquilize me and knock me out. And the hospital sent me to a psych ward and I didn't have a say in the matter in South Florida. If you are a threat to yourself or others, the, the state can step in and they can detain you for 72 hours in a psych ward. And so on July 30th, 2000, Julie, you know, I was put in a room by myself, lest I harm anybody else on the behavior I had shown locked in, they locked me in and I was all by myself. I didn't even have, I didn't have a smartphone, a TV. There wasn't even like a mural on the wall to escape the reality. And wow. I was, Oh my gosh, I was so mad at God. I I I wanted to die so bad because I couldn't reconcile being a pastor's wife and just knowing that this was my biggest weakest. Um, but he did not, he did not let me die. And not only that, but he 
he just met me in that psych ward that night. And I say that not to sound like a, you know, you know, butterfly, rainbow, unicorn Christian that doesn't live in reality. I say it because there literally was nothing else and no one else in the room but Jesus Christ. And even a psych ward, even me locked in, would not keep him out and away from me. Amazing. I, I, I say it's amazing because I, I know Raul, I know your boys, I know your life now. I did not know you, you know, at, at that time. And, and so even I'd heard your story, but I hadn't, I hadn't heard you tell it really until I think this last year at Leading yeah. and Loving It, I guess, I guess maybe I'd heard pieces of it. But you told it and you showed pictures of yourself as a child, as a teen, as a young adult. And it, it, was, um, it was so real. It was so authentic. And I think, Heather, what you do that is so incredible is you never minimize the pain, the struggle, mm-hmm. the, the frustration, the hurt, the sadness, the um anger, all of the feelings, you never minimize that. And so you have shown me, you show, you show us how to see that, acknowledge it, and at the same time, talk about the grace of God, mm-hmm. that, yeah. that they can coexist, that they do coexist. And that is why God's grace is so powerful. You, you experience God's grace, God's hope, God's joy in a different way because mm-hmm. of that and, and the courage to share it. I, I don't know. I, I can't say it enough. Tell, tell me a little bit about when you were in that, that when you, okay, so you were in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You were alone, but God was with you literally like Joseph in the pit. It says, yeah, God and, was and, with and him. like Paul and Paul in prison. Yeah. And like Jonah in the whale. I mean, nothing can keep Jesus away from us. Nothing. And he and met me there's in, nothing you can do or feel right. that will separate you from him. No, I wanted I was very mad that I had tried so intentionally to die. And um, I was still living. And I let him know that. I let him know it, you know, um, but I, I just made a deal with him that night. And I don't know if you can make deals, but I think he gives concessions to people like me. <laughs> <laughs> you think he has different rules? Okay, then. Yeah. No, I, but think, I, I think he's like, he's like, it's Heather. Let's just, let's just let's <laughs> the one. Okay. I think, but I was I like, he, yes, I was God like, has a oh, sense no. of humor. Yes, yes, he does. It does say he laughed in the Bible. But I just said, look, you're okay, fine, you win. But you got to get me out of this place. It was deplorable. It was before we had started to kind of dignify psychiatric wars and stuff. So I felt like such an animal. Um, But I say, if you can get me out of here, I'll dedicate the rest of my life to helping people not end up here. And and here we are um, 21 years later, uh, each holding up to the end of that, that quote unquote deal. It's pretty amazing. And I know that you said you, you've struggled with it, with thoughts of suicide um, as recently as 2020. Tell us a little Correct. bit about that because, you know, we've all experienced and we, we've been in a series called Parenting Forward. And our first couple of sessions were taking an honest look at how we have, how 2020 
and, and the 15 month pandemic have has affected us. And mm-hmm. some of us have not really acknowledged it and our bodies tell us the truth. And so how the stress right. is showing up in everyone in different yeah. ways. And so we, we've all experienced it to some degree. Not everyone has experienced the same level of stress. Some jobs actually were thriving during the pandemic. You know, you're in a delivery service and and others were totally shut down. Many lost their businesses. So everyone has experienced it and everyone has been impacted, but to a different degree. Same with our emotions. We are all impacted in a different way, but um, it is our responsibility to say, all right, spend a moment and say, how am I feeling? How have I been impacted? We're not afraid of loss, disappointment, hurt. We see that. We name it. Right. And now we go, okay, what do we need to do to move forward? So you, you're very right. honest with your, your experience, your feelings, and how 2020 impacted you. Ooh, 2020 was, you know, 21 years had passed since or 20 years had passed since that encounter with God in the psych ward. I had still battled all those last 20 years, but I worked hard at my thorn in my side. I, I, I can stay with integrity at that, that the last 20 years I'm very intentional and I, and I work hard at yeah. staying alive. Yeah, you know, like, but not, you're not go, you're very intentional. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> staying alive, staying alive. That has been your your, your theme song. Yeah, but literally. <laughs> I, but it, it's we, we joke, you laugh about it, but it is you are very intentional. You embrace the responsibility. You're careful yeah. with your schedule. You're careful with yep. your commitments. You are yep. careful with your. You know your threshold for interacting with others, and you say, you know what. This is what I need to do to keep myself alive. And therefore, right. that is what you do. You make right. deliberate decisions. I, I work it like any other disease that debilitates the body. I've never um, delineated the organ of my brain from, you know, if I had been in a car accident and had found myself wheelchair bound. Um, and wanted to walk again, I would, you know, if, I, if that was a possibility, I would work so hard to walk again. And, and that's kind of what I liken it to. Um, I have, I can be alive. I can fight these thoughts. I, God is, Jesus is life. And I know that his life is in me, but, but I gotta, you gotta work hard. And, and I do. Um, and then 2020 came, <laughs> just tested everything. So what are some boundaries that you have? What are some things that you say, this is important for me to keep myself alive. This is important for me. So pre-2020, what were some things that you had in place, some, some structure, some, some boundaries? I guess it's the best way to say it, some rules to follow. Yeah, great do? question. Um, I, I regularly see a Christian psychologist mm-hmm. um, and I regularly journal and I have journals from when I was eight. So that's been very important to me. That's not just a diary where you flush out your problems. That is, that is a toxic purge for me. Yes. I am purging out these bad thoughts onto paper. And in my mind, I'm a, I'm a tangible, pur- if it's on paper, it's not in my mind. Look at that. Yes. 
So journaling is really important. Dr. Robbie Sonderegger talks about kids who have a lot of feelings. And um, if you can structure a time for them to write them on paper and put them in a box, but he recommends not at bedtime. So he says like three o'clock in the afternoon, whatever it is, but that's your time. It's like you're journaling, putting it on paper. Again, we're not minimizing the feeling. We're taking its power away, really. Right. It's, it's getting it out of your head, uh, you know, yeah. and, and, um, and church, church is essential for me. I, you know, I, that changed during 2020, but by and large, you know, I need to be in the house of God every weekend and let that one hour pour into me. People have no idea how quickly my brain gets depleted of hope, of opportunity, of grace, of love, of living. And one hour in God's house is such a pouring in. I, I, I yearn for it. Um, so church is a necessity. And then, and then I have three truth tellers in my life. And I got those three truth tellers from Jesus himself when he was going through his absolute worst mental affliction in the garden. You know, he had followers of thousands. He had a small group of 12. But in his worst mental hour, he had three. Yeah. You're right. And so yeah. I, I, take, I take my cues from that. And my three are Pastor David, Lisa, and Raul. And, and they know they, everything. They know. And, and they can speak to me, speaking of boundaries, they are the three um, that, can, that can say, you, might, you need to respectfully decline that. Or, Julie, and I know you'll, you'll appreciate this candor because it's not always put out there, but Pastor David and Lisa and Raul can also say to me, Heather, don't, don't play the card. You can go to that. You, you, listen, Look you made that. a commitment. Yeah. yeah. You made a commitment to be at this event. They're counting on you. You can do it. And, and so you trust them mm-hmm. and go. Mm-hmm. You, you have chosen. Yeah. You have said, okay, this, I need this to stay healthy. And therefore, I'm going to do it. The definition of discipline is doing something when you don't feel like because you decided to. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, what I've seen over the last 21 years now is that we use this thorn in our side as a weapon to get our way. And Oh, wait, say that again. Yeah, we use the thorn in our side as a weapon to get our way. And early Whoa, on, I'm guilty, that I'm guilty of that. Powerful. That I'm guilty actually, of that. that translates to a lot of things. We use the thorn in our side. As a weapon to get our way. As a weapon to get our way. Yikes. Okay. So and, accurate. And I've, I've been guilty of that. And, and listen, I, I repented. I, I saw where I was using this, this for pity or for sympathy or to justify sinful actions. And I'm, I, just, I just had this awakening one day. And I was like, forgive me, Lord. Please help me to not use the thorn on my side as a weapon to get my way. That is amazing. That again, that translates, that goes way beyond mental health. Okay. So now you, you found yourself in 2020 and um, the, the boundaries that were there before you've said, you know, I need to be in church. I need, I know when I need to be with people. I know when I need to be away from people. And all of a sudden we're shut down in complete isolation. And we always talk about the value of solitude. Mm-hmm. And solitude and isolation are not the same thing. 
Solitude is an intentional choice to be alone with your thoughts, be alone. But now isolation is not good and it's dangerous. Mm -hmm. Solitude can actually lead to more self-awareness, more peace, more hope, but isolation, not so much. Right. So tell right. me a little bit again, about that. Yeah. I mean, again, getting my cues from Jesus, I, you know, as somebody that can, you know, my, my brain can be on fire. So taking my cues from Jesus, I do need to sometimes get away and have solitude. And that is part of just my protocol for myself. But you're absolutely right. Isolation. When you look at the historicity of, of the Bible people, when they started to dance with the devil of their own death, um, Elijah, Moses, Jonah, Job, they were alone. They were isolated. Yeah. And, and, and isolation for me is public enemy. Number one, whether it is, um, the psychology world or the, the biblical religious world, both schools of thought have told me unequivocally someone like you needs to avoid isolation. Well, 2020 rolls around. Welcome to 2020. Right, right. And it's, it's mandated by the government. And again, I just had massive fist shaking at God because I'm like, that's impossible for me. Yeah. Yes, it right. Goes against, it, it, it goes against everything I've been told. Secular and non-secular schools of thought have both said, don't isolate. Um, so springtime rolled around in 2020 and Julie just, I mean, to be very frank, um, my family was out of town. I was home alone. I woke up on this particular day. Uh, it was raining. I was in isolation. Um, no, nobody was, te- nobody texted me. Nobody called. And, and that's nobody's fault. This is this, I own this, but I looked at my calendar and it was just, it was a snowstorm of nothingness for the next, you know, cause everything was, be, everything was canceled. Everything yeah. was canceled. And it, it became a, a small thought that I allowed in isolation to grow. And as I sat in my house in the rain, recognizing there's nothing to do and there's nowhere to be, it became no one needs you. Nobody would miss you. And it became even Which, worse. Which when you say it now, Heather, um, I know your family. I know the role you play at church. I know the people who benefit from your ministry. And so to me, you're saying those words. And I'm like, how could you think that? Yeah. To me, it's so many people need you, love you, want you to be with them, yeah. want you to continue your ministry. You've impacted so many lives, continue to impact. So to me, I... I can't understand, but that's what, what well, do you call it? Thing, Mental affliction is though. It's distorted yeah, yeah. reality. And we, you know, we look at Eve and we're like, what a Bobo. Why would you have listened to a snake in a tree that said, eat it. You're a, what a Bobo. But I will say now that I look, have been able to look back on 2020 and, and, um, you know, not only digest it, accept it, but I've gotten a lot of counseling to work through it. When the enemy lies, it is not going to be some ridiculous, preposterous, unbelievable fairy tale from a fairy tale book. 
it's wickedly believable. And it starts, you said, it started here with, Mm -hmm. I don't have anything on my calendar, to Mm -hmm. I'm not needed, to... to, And then it grew again. And this one was, I mean, it just breaks my heart. It just breaks my heart. But but I have to share these because I know that this tactic is going to be used by the enemy again. So I talk about it to warn people and caution them. But then that small little idea eventually grew to have you ever considered how embarrassing you are with your ministry to your husband and your boys? You know, you're not, you're not that stay at home mom that um, makes muffins and wears Lululemon. You go around talking about how you went crazy and how you battle suicide. And yeah, I mean, you could, you could take your life today and they would be sad but they would, you would be replaceable with somebody maybe a little bit less embarrassing, more normal. And that, that was it. I, that's all I needed. And it moment. just grew and grew and grew. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to something you said earlier, your need to be in church, to mm-hmm. be reminded of the truth. And that means person to person, getting back mm-hmm. into church, not just watching it, but physically being in the building around people in corporate worship. Um, But you also, you don't just pray and worship your way out of it. Mm -mm. That is part of your medicine, but that is not all of it. You go to a counselor, you have, I, I think so many times in Christian world, we think, you know, oh, I just need to keep praying or I just need to keep worshiping. I need to, but yeah, we, no. we sometimes need to reach out for professional help. Oh, absolutely. And, and the, my biggest critics, Julie, honestly, have been, you know, a, well, I mean, two come to mind, but where, you know, I've had Christian leaders get in my face and say, if you had more faith, this would not be your problem. Um, and, you know, in my head, I punch them. But in my face, you know, I smile and I'm like, <laughs> so in your head, you punch him. I like that. Yeah. But your face, you smile. But, 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 I think that is, but it's not a misconception. I, I, listen, it, it says, I mean, it, the, the Holy Spirit is called the counselor. Yes. And yes. So I, if I want access to the counselor of the one who I am made in the image of, I need to be in a Christian counselor's office. I need to be, I need that Christian counselor. Listen, all the schooling they went through, that is awesome. And I'm glad for them, but I also need them to be a mouthpiece for the one who created me and is well aware of my broken parts. And, and so Christian counseling and, and medication. And I know this is the one where people's undies get such a wad, but I mean, it's my story. I got to stick to it. And you know what else? It is Mental Health Awareness Month. And you're telling your story. And there are people out there who need to hear it. And we need to be open to um, the, maybe the idea that we don't know everything. Yeah. That there are and, yeah. different. Every, everybody has her own story and open to it. Here's the deal. People make appointments with the Apple genius to get yeah. help with their phone. Like yeah. make appointment with a mental health genius. So go ahead, yeah. make an appointment and go in. You do it for your phone. Yeah. Good, Julie. That's you, good. You would, yeah, and you, you would, would make, do it and you would do it for a, for a lump in your breast. Yes. Yes. If you, if you had a lump in your breast, you would make an appointment to go to a professional. You wouldn't um, self-diagnose 
and self-treat. Well, my, my brain is no different anatomically speaking than my boob. And so if there's a problem up here, <laughs> yes, I'm going to yes. make an appointment. Okay. I'm make an appointment. So, um, all right. So now let's say though, let's say you're in a dark place or um, when someone is in a dark place, they may not be able to see. Like if you can catch that thought when it's small, you know, deal with it as a baby shark. That's one thing. And then when it gets a little bit bigger, like, okay, you can catch it. But when you get to that dark place, it is hard for you to see it, which is why you need those people around you. So let's say that I have a friend and she or he cannot see that he is depressed, that she is depressed. And I'm worried about her or him. And I know he or she can't see it. And, and right. But I want to help. Now, how right. can I help? What is the best thing I can do? Great question. For that, you know, I'll, I'll switch hats and I'll speak on behalf of my husband, who is my, is a friend, my best friend, and has had to navigate being concerned for the mental well-being of somebody for 21 years. Um, and I'll start off with, with kind of a big idea that Raw would say. God's job is to save Heather and my job is to love her. Whoa, that is so significant. If you yeah. have somebody in your life, if you're listening or watching who is struggling, and I know you use the term with mental affliction, mm -hmm. when their mm -hmm. mind takes them to a dark place, darker than, than we can imagine. If you have someone, repeat that again, what Raul says, because that is so, so wise. His, he, he's, he's learned to conclude over the years, God's job is to save Heather and my job is to love her. That is you know, I so think, good. And I know you, you know, feel that yeah. way, Heather, with many people in your life, because yeah. when you took this on as a ministry, now you are very close to a lot of people who are struggling with mental affliction. And so y you must say that to yourself as well. I do. They, I, I run to any mentally afflicted person the way a soldier runs to battle or the way a fireman runs into a burning building and sometimes get to see the joy of, of, of their life still living. And sometimes I don't. And, and so I've had to reconcile that, you know? Um, yeah. So, you know, knowing that I cannot save people, you know, what do I do? Um, first of all, I, I pray for them and, and that sounds so trite and it kills me that, that it, it's quickly dismissed or undermined yeah, because right. what, what, what I have to understand is in that moment, I might be the only person in the entire world of all humanity that is calling on the name of the Lord to save that person. And God loves that person. And, and he hears the cries of us when we, the, the Bible says the righteous prayers availeth much. Um, and so you're, you're interceding, you're calling God down to a situation that you can't save, but he can, that he can, he can. So, and so I, that's yeah, significant prayer. to recognize yes. your responsibility and where that boundary is and then to pray. That is excellent. But yeah. If you've got a friend that's mentally afflicted, and I use mental affliction because under that umbrella is mental illness, um, circumstantial, seasonal, 
chemical. I mean, even Jesus was mentally afflicted. So there's, there's all varying degrees of it. Um, but I use it because that's a broader term. But if you have a friend that is, you pray for them. You've got to pray for them. Put a sticky note, put a sticky note on your bathroom mirror with their name on it and text it to them. I, this is here because I'm praying for you. Um, know that you can't save them. And, and that's kind of like where my, my life boxes come in is I've, this is where I've been able to partner with people that don't know what to do. And I, you know, I, I ship out these life boxes now that are, that include the essentials that I've needed when uh, my mind's in a dark place. Okay. Um, so, so if I have a friend, a, um, uh, a neighbor, a, a spouse who is mm-hmm. struggling so number one, I recognize what I can and cannot do. And then mm-hmm. I pray to the one who actually can save. And then mm-hmm. I can reach out to you to help with a life box. Can you tell me mm-hmm. a little bit more? Do you have a life box to show us? Why? <laughs> I thought you may. Gee, gee whiz, look what I got. Look at right that. Here. A wonderful yep. life box. Okay. These are, these are free. These are free. We've sent out now over 600 of them. Um, and what they include is the three essentials that I've needed to keep going. Um, and so every single box gets a Bible and a journal, a journal with a pen and an invitation to my church. And, and I don't ever want to take somebody away from their church, but a lot of the people I'm sending life boxes to don't go. Don't have and, a home church, so right? They don't have a home, and so ours is available online. And so, at the very minimum, they can hop on online and get that one hour of pouring in to them. So, those are the three essentials. But I never wanted to feel like a bait and switch, Julia, because I think about half of them have gone to people who are not of faith. Um, it doesn't matter; they're getting a Bible, a journal, and an invitation. Sure, with our sure. Okay, but to make it fun, to make it you know encouraging, to lift them up. I made one for a woman. I, I make them for kids, men, women, old, young, even I even have Spanish boxes. But for this, you know, we'll put in lifesavers, not because I'm a lifesaver, but because Jesus is. Uh, choose life wristband, box of prayer cards, hot key, feels good when you're sad. Love a it. nail yes. file, chapstick, a one-minute devotion for women, sticky pad, a coloring book. Coloring is good to do when you're down and out. Um, and this is a forget me not. This goes in the boxes that I send to people that Look have lost at them on the that. Yeah, so, you know, them on when the when someone gets a box, they say someone was thinking of me. So I am a yeah. I, I someone. I'm important to someone, which is amazing. Yeah. And then they get the practical, which we know research shows whether it's the coloring that increases serotonin and reduces cortisol. The smell, we know that smell and um, sound override our prefrontal cortex and take us right to a positive feeling, any association, a positive experience in our past. We know that scripture reminds us of truth and that worship Mm -hmm. reminds us of truth and and that Mm -hmm. God does love us and is for us. So you've got Mm -hmm. some very practical tools. How does somebody get a box to someone? So all they had to do is just email info at wonderful.com with a name and address. They can give an alias name if they would like. I've had people give alias names because I've sent them to people as young as six years old. So, yeah. 
Well, I'm, I'm going to come back to that. So the yeah. the um, the email is info i n f o at mm-hmm. one one her full. full. So w o n d and then her h e r and then f u l one her full. You mentioned that um, you've sent them to kids as young as six. You've also mentioned that um, you started struggling. You have journals that document that you were contemplating suicide when you were eight years old. We know that through the pandemic, we heard from Sissy Goff, who is at Daystar Counseling in um, Nashville, that her clientele, her clients have um, definitely, they're seeing younger and younger experiencing, not just her clients, but I believe she was doing research on the last book. And she saw how anxiety was turning to depression at a much younger age. And we definitely have seen more children, research has shown, contemplating suicide. Moms, we're not telling you this to scare you. I'm saying this because I know there's a mom out there whose child has mentioned it and you're afraid and you feel like it may be just you. You're not alone. And we want to help you know what to do. Or maybe you have a friend whose child has mentioned suicide. And that is scary. Mm. That is, I I can't imagine being a mom and and hearing my child say that, particularly at six, seven, or eight. We want to remind you, if that is you, you are not alone. But we want to actually give you some tools, something that you can do. And I know that Sissy Goff says, and David Thomas, they say, if a child mentions suicide, expresses to you that they've discussed it, they would tell you immediately take them to the ER. We know that other counselors say, first ask if there is, do they have a plan? Right. That that can let you know if it is just a, a whim, a, a recent thought, right. or if they've been thinking about it, as you say, and the thought got bigger and bigger. And so right. we, they suggest that you take them to the ER because at the very least, your child hears, I hear you, I love you, and I want to help you. Right. Even if right. they're bluffing, even if they're bluffing to respond, like, I hear you, what you're saying. I take this so seriously that we're right. going to get help right. immediately. Right. And so what, right. what would you yep. say? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, you anything I, to I, add I, to that? I agree with it. I agree with all of it. I agree with all of it. And I have seen that often, you know, where parents will, will reach out to me and they will be like, you know, she's always doing this for attention or he's always doing, he's probably doing this for attention. I, I, we're not going to be the experts on that. And so we need to not be, you know, it's whether it is for a crying wolf or for attention, or it's truly, they want to die. Let's let the experts make that, make that call. And either way, if they're trying to get attention, What's the worst thing that can happen? You take them to the doctor. The doctor says, I don't believe it is an immediate threat, but you have communicated to your child. I hear you. I take your word seriously and I want to get you help. I want to help you. And, And instead, if we're not careful as a mom, Of course, I'm going to say, oh, she doesn't really mean it. I don't want her to mean it. I don't want him to mean it. I don't want him to think that way. 
but again, our goal is to have, you know, we want accurate thinking, not just positive thinking. And right. so I want to look at the situation as it is and say, okay, I am, I'm scared, but I'm going to get help and be with that child in that dark place. And that's a scary place for yeah. a to go. That's scary. Oh, but yeah. again, I think it's scarier when we think, oh, this is because of me. This is because I haven't armed her. I haven't been a good mm. enough mom. And we got to back away and say, this is not about me right now. This is about getting my good. child help. And, and that is That's so right. important. And, and you, you're so good at communicating how you communicate it in a way that is very matter of fact. And it, it helps moms remove the fear. I don't know. I, the way your tone that you use, the fact that you are laughing, you look back on that and you go, it was a dark time. And I have revisited that dark time again, but I'm still alive. And mm-hmm. I'm going to use this for good. You are Romans eight twenty eight where if we make it a verb, your experience. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you. That's Romans eight twenty eight That's good. I like that. But you um, are, you're using yeah. it for good of yeah. others. You're helping me help moms. You're helping moms help friends, help their kids. It's significant. I don't, I don't in the, in the hour that you and me will do this, five people will, will die by suicide. And that's five too many. It's five five too too many. many. I I know what it's like to have my life on the ledge of being here no more. I've lived through that enough times now to know not only do I not want it, I don't want it for anybody. God, we're called human beings and we, human beings are living creatures. We, we are, we're not rocks. We're not a box of crayons. We're living and God will allow us to live if we trust him when it's dark. He will get us through that. He would never, ever want us to take our life into our own hands and take it. He's the yeah. giver of life. He is not the giver of death. And, and the enemy you know, is the father of lies. And that's right. why scripture talks about our minds. Be transformed by changing the way you think. You know, right. the, our, our minds are so powerful and can a, a, a thought becomes a belief in the blink of an eye. And yeah. we have to begin to recognize that thought is just that. It is a thought. There is a difference, and that you know, and that's why and you know, I think yes, and 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 it's that's why every life box has a Bible because it this this is what yes. this right here this is the the sword that cuts through these believable lies in my head cuts through them, and because it's a double edged sword, it, it's a double cut, it's a double laceration to the enemy's thought in my head, and it can't thrive then, but I have to know what this says, and this says you know, Psalm one eighteen seventeen. I will not die, I will live to tell what the Lord has done, and for the fearless moms, my favorite one for parents, Deuteronomy thirty nineteen. I have given you the choice between life and death Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. Unbelievable. And I know that that is what you and Raul communicate to your children. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. pretty amazing to watch you guys parent together, to watch you 
to watch your marriage, to watch your ministry, and to watch the passion with which you share your story, a difficult story to share. And you say, I will not, I will not be intimidated. I will not stay quiet. I will not um, let shame keep me back from speaking truth, from speaking encouragement, from sharing hope, joy, peace, grace. You are a living, breathing example of that. We, we thank you. I can't say enough how much we thank you for sharing your story to help others. You, you've helped others today. I have no doubt, not only a mom who may be feeling it herself, but a mom who has a friend, mm-hmm. a spouse who's feeling it, a mom who has a child who's feeling it mm-hmm. and thinking it. So thank you, Heather. I, I just, I can't, I can't say enough how you've impacted so many. Okay, but now, Heather, you know, we got we to gotta end on, um, on some fun. What we've given us hope, we've given scripture, we've given, um, you know, some, the wonderful box that you can mail out. Now we're going to get a little bit, let people know you a little bit better. Okay. So now we're going to end with a this or that. (laughs) So, okay. This or that. Here we go, Heather. You have to pick one. This or that. Okay. Beach or mountains. Beach. Beach. Yes. Okay. Burger or pizza. Chicago deep dish pizza. Oh, yeah. Oh, that does not surprise me. Okay. Early bird or night owl? <laughs> well, when, when I'm both. <laughs> when I'm not on medicine, I'm both. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So are we talking Medicaid? Are we talking Medicaid or not? Okay. What is, what is medicated, Heather? <laughs> What is she? Is she an early bird or a night owl? Early bird. Okay. What about early bird? um, Okay. Saver or spender? Uh, Spender. (laughs) I I thought, do I even need to ask this one? But that's because Uh, I know Raul. (laughs) Oh, God. Okay. Okay. Ready? Fast food or fine dining? Fine dining. Oh, that. That's I. I'm a fast food. I don't know. I'm fine dining too, but I would I would eat um, a burger off of China. You know, really off of fine China. Yeah. Wait, are you a spender? I gotta ask really quick. Are you a spender or a saver? Uh, you know, I go. Well, this is what Mac would say. Mac would say I'm a saver, except at Christmas. <gasps> okay. <laughs> so, okay. Does okay. That, does that make sense? Okay. How yeah. about this one? Um, adventure or familiar? Adventure. Adventure. Okay, ready? <laughs> this is what this is always JT. Does JT mean James Taylor or Justin Timberlake? You know, I've seen them both in concert. But JT was, be- Justin Timberlake was better in concert. Okay, there you go. Because JT almost always, like, people just, it reveals their age. <laughs> like, every yeah, but time. James Taylor, everybody was so stoned. Nobody could, you don't, oh, I mean. You, oh, you, my gosh. Okay, everybody so, was in a daze. Everyone was in a daze. How can you remember? Oh, my gosh. Okay, listen, though. Remember how I said that um, our that sound and smell and um, taste, it overrides our prefrontal cortex that can take us to a, a positive memory or a positive feeling, just like it can a negative, too. But we, we do this intentionally to take us to a positive, a, a, a safe place, a, a, a you know, a, a place um, that you remember positively. So listen, James Taylor is my music that overrides my prefrontal cortex and takes me to my back really? porch. 
Yes. So really? I literally can play James Taylor. My heart rate goes down. My body, I feel it relaxed. Oh. Isn't that crazy? So I'm always going to pick James what? Taylor. But that's because, yes, it's my, <laughs> try it, Heather. Try it. Okay, wait, you, have, you seen him, have you seen him in concert? Not James Taylor, but I have seen Justin Timberlake. I don't oh. know that anybody could beat Justin Timberlake in concert. He was great. He's amazing. He's amazing. Hey, this just is for a, the record, uh, just for the record, um, just to make sure we all know that I was not stoned at the James Taylor concert. So I'm <laughs> sure put that, in. That, is, that is a perfect way to end, Heather, um, with that clarification, because I'm sure there were people wondering. Yes. It probably so. Not really. Not really. Well, thank you again, Heather. <laughs> we love you. Um, and we thank you so much for sharing with our moms today. It was an honor. Thank you for asking me. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you or someone you love is struggling with, as Heather called it, mental affliction or contemplating suicide, we wanted to make sure you had the suicide hotline number. That is 1-800-273-8255. I'm going to say it again. 1-800-273-8255. And if you want more resources from Fearless Mom, you can always go to fearlessmom.com. Again, so glad you joined us today. And reach out. Let someone know if you're struggling. You're not alone.